right, with functional bodybuilding. Yeah, it's really cool where he's kind of like a mesh of the two, right? Would you say? He's like a hybrid of traditional functional movements combined with ISO. That could be a good combo too. Yeah. I had that idea like originally. Really? Like before this guy even came into play, wow. but he put it into motion. Like I had an idea, but I didn't. Action, son. I know. You don't know how to like put it together? Yeah. He is doing it. I don't, I think half the shit he's coming up with on the fly. He is. He's not like, it's not like his core. I think there's an extreme though. I think some movements are on, some of his stuff is unnecessary. You can get more bang just doing a back squat or a deadlift. And that's where, you know. Like it's a there's a fine line between. He's trying to get too fancy. Too fancy, he's got you know like the other day that was like, I just don't see the purpose. Why not just put the bar on the rack and squat right? I forget what it was. I mean, it looks sexier doing it that way. It's sure. more appealing. It's more, you know, eye grabbing to see something like that. Right. And that's half of fitness nowadays. Unfortunately, you see all this. People trying to do this, all this fancy shit and uh, getting away with, about what we talk about all the time is mastering the basics. Episode 15, and that's what we're talking about, functional fitness. What is it? How do we define it? Some examples of it. Who's it for? Just uh, your traditional athlete, competitor, or grandmas as well? Exactly. When I first heard this term, I was fresh out of personal training, moving into CrossFit. This was 2000, 2001 maybe. And I started to hear this term and it sounded really interesting because like, isn't that the whole purpose? Like we're training for function, we're training for purpose. And if we can use movements that are functional, then why wouldn't I use them? Yeah, see, that's completely different from when I was first introduced into it. I was kind of naive and it was so like vague. You know, when I heard a functional movement, I just was taught it was a compound movement. It was a multi-joint movement. But I didn't really think of all the benefits it does outside of the gym. Mm. And that's where the term functional movement comes into play rather than just a compound, multi-joint, you know, multiple muscle movement. So knowing what we know now, going on to, you know, 18 years later, what, how, what is this now? How do we look at this word? I think this term still is coming in and out of popularity and sexiness. You know, we talked about this, uh, this new form of training called functional bodybuilding. And so that's turning on to some level of sexiness. But without a term, what happens is we just keep falling for this new sexy functional quote exercise and we want to do it not knowing if it serves a purpose or if it's actually doing what it's saying it's supposed to do yeah i think it's a perfect segue to kind of get right into what a functional movement is what you're basically saying is a functional movement is something you are doing inside of the gym that doesn't stop there right it transfers into outside the gym into stuff we do every single uh, day of our lives to kind of improve the quality of our lives and the term is also relative because the you know the examples that we use we use two different spectrums like what does that what does functional movement mean for the athlete and what does functional movement mean for the grandma because they both need them to different degrees yeah definitely uh what are some examples of functional movements we can kind of give you know our listeners like 
you know, my biggest example, when we do the, um, our intros on Saturdays, right? Okay. When I define CrossFit, I say constantly varied functional movements at high intensity. Well, you know, to the new person, they don't know, hey, what the hell is a functional movement? Mm-hmm. But I'll say a functional movement, like we just kind of defined is what we do inside the gym that transfers outside the gym. So my big biggest example is, hey, a deadlift, right? You're going to come in here, you're going to practice good deadlift technique, work up to something heavy, maintain a good, nice flat back, you know, uh, move an object, pick an object off the ground safely, right? Now you go home and your neighbor knocks on your door. Hey, so-and-so, can you help me move this couch, please? I'm too weak. I can't get it. So you go, you get underneath that couch, just like you're going to perform a deadlift, Mm. you know? So deadlift, I feel is, you know, a great example of a functional movement. So yeah, if we wanted to categorize it, we could say, so that would be uh, lower body pulling mechanism, right? For naturally taking things from the ground. And for grandma, that is crucial, if not uh, the most important thing she can do as she gets older. For the athlete, the the pulling, the lift of uh, the capacity of lifting large loads like that from the ground is exponential uh, as an athlete. There's also, I think we could define lower body pushing. So uh, for me, the, the greatest function comes through the squat and any uh, byproduct of the squat, whether loaded in front and back in the middle to the side, doesn't matter. The, the squatting motion has to be part of that definition. Yeah, because think about how many times you're squatting a day. You know, you're getting in and out of cars, you're getting on the toilet, take it, you know, whatever you got to do, uh, you know, in and out of bed. If you can't squat, if you can't really master a fundamental movement of a squat, like mm. your quality of life is going to suffer big time down the road. Greatly. And when we use that example of relativity for the athlete is uh, exponential load, right? They believe that the more load they can squat, hopefully the greater transfer has into stronger, more powerful athletes. But for grandma, it's another function. Like the doctor who tells you to stop squatting is the doctor you should fire because we just don't understand how we can move with good quality of living if we're not moving and squatting to to a certain degree. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I feel like now, day and age, all these doctors are kind of Uh, finding this new approach to heal by moving, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's what, you know, I feel is you're going to a good doctor, they're going to give you a way to get better by moving, right? They're not just going to prescribe some medication for you. Hey, take this for, you know, empty the bottle, and then we'll see what happens. You know, a lot of the good doctors are kind of, you know, like I just said, they're recommending ways to move uh, to get you better. Right. And we're not saying like the doctor says, well, when I squat, my knees hurt. Well, then let's look as professionals, let's look like what's causing that pain and let's move you to becoming pain free and stronger and hopefully moving through greater ranges over time. We're not saying, well, the squat hurts me and we're saying, well, squat anyways, that's ignorant. What we're saying is let's move through different ways of the squat so we can, number one, make you uh, contract the muscles as similar to the squat to uh, hopefully remove this pain and then two, move you down the road into greater ranges of motion. Uh, but we do that wisely. We do that with progression uh, and sense. Yeah, and that comes down to good coaching mm-hmm. and you gotta be a good coach too when an athlete tells you, hey, I can't squat, it hurts my knees. Well, you gotta not only you know come up with a safe movement as close to the squat as you can, but you also gotta convince them, hey, this isn't bad for your knees. We gotta get you doing some sort of squatting because like I said, it's a function of everyday life. And it takes a coach to kind of get through to the athlete because half of the athletes will have that roadblock up, they'll have that brick wall up saying, hey, 
I squat, it hurts my knees. There's no way in hell I'm doing it. But it takes that good coach to kind of move around, maneuver past that wall to kind of bring them back down to earth and say, hey, you know what, this is something you need to do. This is something that if we can get you doing better later down the road, you're going to stay out of a nursing home. You know, you're going to stay out of a li- a assisted living. Right. Yeah. We're basically creating a buffer between a high quality of life and a low quality of life. And our goal is to, to keep the quality of life as high as possible, as long as possible, because really like nursing home, assisted living, uh, they have uh, drastic reduced functional movement like most of the time these individuals has lost that function uh, and so they really need assistance with functional movement like that's that's crazy because really that's what we're trying to do we're, we're trying to combat that from ever happening yeah that's the beauty about crossfit is uh, Glassman always is referring to what we're doing now is to keeping us out of nursing homes later we're training functionally now to just prolong our lives our healthy our quality of lives you know, it's unfortunate because the people that are sitting around now that are not doing anything physically now, chances are they're going to be the ones that need that assistance to just live life. And uh, it's unfortunate. It's uh, greatly unfortunate because it's something that uh, that we can help them with and uh, they want to see that need. Right. I think over time, as you get older, the our purpose of training changes and it comes from, you know, this aesthetic approach to the more functional piece and I think as we age that's really where everyone ends up moving toward because they know that 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 extreme level of intensity can only last so long so though it slows down we're still moving in from elite athleticism to what we were at in our younger ages into how can we make this more purposeful to our everyday life yeah it kind of changes the purpose of why you're you're training uh, based on how old you are and, and what aspect you are in, you know, throughout your life. And the beauty of it, it makes it more sustainable because uh, there is a high pressure when we're younger to perform at the nth degree. And when we can't maintain that over time because we're getting older, because of injuries, because of, uh, you know, uh, disparities of, you know, people our own age doing other things, we just can't compete like that anymore. But when we move into this other way of training, it really does, like you said, give us a greater purpose. Yeah, it just kind of comes down to your why. You know, we talk about that all all the time. You know, why are you doing this? And it's also self-awareness, you know, um, your original thought process of why you're training, why you're trying to better yourself. It just kind of transfers from that more elite competitiveness, uh, tip-top physical shape to more just your well-being, your wellness. If we look at that and we approach it from an upper body sense we discussed the lower body sense of functional movement what what could we identify as some some functional movements that we hold dear like our upper, upper body, body. yeah uh, i think the, the any overhead pressing is a good one mm. you know taking a, a strict press overhead and uh just going back to the intros we do on saturdays that's another example a strict overhead press you yeah. know you come in here you're doing some some heavy pressing overhead with good uh technique then you go home, neighbor knocks on your door again, that annoying neighbor that won't leave you alone. Hey, can you get this jar from the top shelf? I can't reach it. It's yeah. a little bit heavy. Uh, can you help me out? And sure enough, you know, you're training functionally. You go up, pick it, pick it up, bring it down, uh, keep you free from, from injury. Because how many times have you heard someone throw their back out or, yeah. uh, you know, something happen where you are just moving an object around your home from one spot to another and you get hurt? And you get hurt. 
the 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 overhead stuff is is probably to me the greatest disparity between individuals because you either have it or you don't you either kept the function or you lost it because we've all had it at one point uh but uh people use it i say like you can get away all day not having to go overhead it doesn't mean you shouldn't go overhead i mean like unless you like raise your hand in the air before you wash your head and you don't grab anything out of the pantry today you can literally go all day without bringing your hands overhead and so when we force them to go overhead, we see some huge major issues. Like we can't force the press on these individuals because they just don't have it. They lost it. We know where we want them to be, but they just have lost that function. Yeah, that's so true, man. That's probably one of the biggest mobility restrictions we find day to day working in a gym is the ability to get overhead. You know, it's unfortunate. And then the biggest compromise is that overextension on the back. You know, um, yeah, like like I said, if if or like you said rather if you don't do it often you lose it you use it or you lose it yeah it's a, it's a principal law and that one you know the function overhead is simple can you tag your biceps to your ear with your elbows locked out and not giving anything up at the spine if you can do that and you can hold this position like that you have function there but if you can't it's going to be a long road for you to do that because it just the loss of function did not happen overnight and neither will it improve overnight yeah that's a crazy point man because you feel like you're using your lower body way more than going overhead at all. You know, your squat, um, you're squatting, you're moving your legs, you're walking, uh, you're getting in and out of cars. So there is some form of that movement down low. But now that you kind of just put it into perspective, you definitely go overhead a lot less than anything from, you know, uh, the waist down. And when you're younger, you can hide from that because there's a lot of sports that don't require you to go overhead. I mean, unless you're a receiver, I don't see why in football, I don't see what what other position has to go overhead. So these guys, they really struggle because they're pushing horizontally, but they're not getting vertical with their hands. And uh, that abuse over time has caused some major issues because re really the transition from us when we're talking about functional fitness is individuals as athletes, to individuals uh, into our what we would call general pop, right? Like the majority of people who train with us, who train at most facilities are doing it for general physical fitness. And as they move through that range, they find that not that neglect as a younger individual has caused some issues down the road. Yeah. And then what are some good ways we can kind of, you know, incorporate this functional training? Um, you know, ideally it should be maybe 80 to 90% of your overall training, in my opinion, you know, that's just kind of a spitball uh, percentage, but you know, um, people that are more advanced in the fitness game, we can, you know, incorporate the isolation stuff, the, the single joint exercises to go along with this functional training and it transfers pretty well. But if you're, you know, kind of getting new in the fitness game, uh, you got to kind of go into that with an approach that functional movements should be your top priority until you kind of understand and grow uh, and to incorporate other stuff that makes sense to that functional training. 100%. It's the, it's the, the cookie model. Like inside, we should that should be our core. Our core 80% of our training should be functional movements. And on the front end, prehab. On the back end, uh, recovery, stuff like that. So prehab, rehab. All that stuff should be the more accessory, ISO, like smaller muscle groups, less range of motion, less uh, multi-joint stuff. That stuff 
does complement. It's independent, but can also become interdependent depending on the movement. Uh, I think I agree. One hundred eighty percent should be right in in uh, as as the functional movement. Piece. Yeah, when you're kind of stepping into the gym, like your approach should be, hey, my focus is going to be this specific movement, whether it's a deadlift, overhead press, you know, a squat. Like that's where your head should be at going into that training session. Now. On the back end, you can throw some stuff, some accessory movements, like you just said prehab um, or rehab, pertaining to that functional movement, you know. But at the end of the day, your core mindset should be towards that specific movement, which should be functional. Yeah, we're on the same page. Um, they, they both serve a purpose, right? Because we're not, uh, we don't believe elite fitness just happens through functional movement and we don't believe if elite fitness happens through accessory movement i think there should be a good combination of the two with the majority the stuff that's getting the most bang for your buck is the functional movement stuff and and we really want to try to sell that because really that's what we're dealing with in everyday life yeah and you know we get we got some good examples on weightlifting but it doesn't stop there you know you got all the gymnastics we haven't even mentioned you know, you should be able to do push-ups, pull-ups, move your body around, then the monostructural stuff. Uh, aside from going overhead, another one that a lot of people lose is running capabilities. Yeah. You know, they say, hey, running hurts my knees. Well, the lack of running probably hurts your knees. You know, this is something you should not abandon, uh, you know, throughout your lifetime is the ability to just to run. That movement is probably the most functional. It's probably been around the longest. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, a lot of these, uh, these what they call them couch to 5K programs, the idea sounds really basic. Hey, I'm out of shape. I want to get in shape. What's the best thing I can do uh, quickly? It's get on the road and start running. But what happens is, unfortunately, most people have separated running as a high-level skill from all these other high-level skills. If someone came to our facility today and they asked about, hey, I want to just learn the technique first before I add weight or go faster, they would leave running as the last skill they believe that they should learn because they just think, oh, that's easy to just start moving your feet. But uh, very few people have actually learned the technique of running. They know when it's deadlift day, they're going to make sure they're going to keep their back flat. They're going to warm up progressively. They're going to make sure to, you know, draw the, the pressure through their legs first before they extend with their glutes. Like they know that, but for some reason when we say go run, they're, they're, they're not as inclined to ask whether they're doing the technique right. And I think that's why people are getting hurt. They either don't have a skill with the mechanical movement of running, or like you said, they, uh, they don't train it enough to get good at. And it's, uh, it does a huge disservice because there's a lot of injuries coming from running. Yeah, and it's probably also because a lot of people hate running. You know, you, you're either a runner, you do your 5Ks, yep. or you only do it when you have to. Yep. You know, and uh, we do a good job at forcing that as a skill of the week, you know. Because um, we recognize uh, yeah, it. Yeah, our pose running week, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, you've done a great job at coming up with those skills of the week. But, um, yeah, we kind of recognize, hey, People are getting away from this running stuff, and that's you know the exact opposite you want to do. You want to you know keep moving, keep the running stuff. So yeah, we uh we do a good job at incorporating a bunch of running technique drills that uh you don't really see often, you know, and it's uh, a good you know awareness of recognizing hey this is a weakness that we have, so let's kind of dial back in the technique and just treat it as you're practicing a deadlift, just you know your running technique. Right, and you know. 
I recognize that not everyone is gonna love running. Like, but what we tell individuals, like our job is to expose you to the things that you struggle with because it's a huge lack of your fitness and your capacity. I'm not gonna put in running every single day until you love it, but we need to give it the intention that it needs for you to actually get better. And that should be for all these uh, these movements that we implement. Yeah, we're, we're not uh, programming this stuff to waste any time. You know, we're programming this stuff because we know, you know, it is the most biggest bang for your buck is training this way. Because not only is it going to get you results inside the gym, but like, you know, we've talked about this entire podcast, it's going to deliver the benefits outside of the gym. Uh, you're going to come in, you know, the gym workout for an hour, but, you know, that prolonged over time is going to deliver crazy benefits for the rest of the 23 hours if you, you know, you keep at it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're on the same page, brother. So what should people do who, who we've sold this idea? They're like, yeah, maybe, you know, we have to get them to reevaluate this, the style of movements that they're incorporating. Why are they using them? What purpose do they serve? I think that's the question each individual should uh, ask. What we're particular about is that like, listen, everyone and their mother can create some type of CrossFit workout. Put your favorite exercise together, do it really fast, and like, oh, that's why I love CrossFit, right? But like to, to really serve a purpose, they, they have to really uh, define the movements that are their core movements and they have to wa uh, waver from them the least. Now we say, hey, listen, let's throw in a spice exercise. That's something new that we're really like, we don't believe it's part of our core, but we're gonna put it in there to make it, keeps it a little it refreshing. bit more fun. Yeah. yeah, it keeps it refreshing. But the majority of the stuff fits within our like core 30, right? I think maybe that's a good number. Like people should define their core 30 most functional movements in their training program. And those are the ones that they should master to the most elite level possible. Yeah, and then a good way to kind of track on if you're training functionally is, you know, go out and play new sports. Glassman says this mm -hmm. all the time. Go out and move. Play a pickup basketball game or go play with your kids, you know, uh, for our older listeners or whatever. Uh, go do something outside or do some manual labor like you were doing all this Front week, work. Work. you know, working on the new house. Like you've made a post about it that you can kind of briefly go in depth if you want to. But uh, the the type of style, the way you train contributed to you doing all this labor outdoors, working on your new house, correct? I couldn't have imagined not uh, trying to do that stuff, not doing what I do the way I train. Yeah, see, that's a, just an important uh, concept and, you know, a real-life example on what you're doing inside the gym is transferring outside the gym. And, you know, I think the people that really use those movements to help them serve a real-life purpose those people connect with us and stay with us the longest, right? Because they're not hopping, they're not hopping through exercises just because they get, you know, because they get bored and try a new exercise or a new program. They know that this will transfer into a better quality of life. And I think that's why when we talk about what our ideal candidate is, our ideal client, when we screen people through our facility, we're looking for people that 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 come to us saying hey i'm just frustrated with how i look or i just don't have the energy to be with my family or uh, i used to be an athlete but i'm not anymore really what they're saying is that they've lost function that they once had that they didn't really have to think about and now they're really struggling through that with life and we're just trying to bring that back to them yeah and that's awesome awareness on a, a new potential you know member of our gym is 
understanding, hey, I just want to, you know, move better. I want to feel better. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, hey, you know, I want to look good in a bikini. You know, their their why is more powerful than just your traditional person, you know, that wants to come in and look good for spring break or look good for the summertime. You know, you got people that are coming in, you know, I want to improve my overall quality of life. And that why is just so impactful, so powerful that chances are they're going to be the ones that are going to get the results. Yeah, because they'll stick to it. They'll be more consistent. They'll be more patient uh, than the person who's coming to us just for aesthetics or just for, you know, you know, the leanest body they've ever had. And those things are important. Don't get me wrong. I don't want, you know, we talked about this, like people that are fit and fat, like we, we want them to be fit and in shape. But what what holds the priority number one? And then what's priority number two? Uh, so yeah, man, I think it's just for us, it's a good reminder of our training style, of what what our end goals are when we're putting programming together. Uh, and for individuals, it's about just reassessing the movements that they're doing, why they're doing them, to really see if, if they really are getting the best bang for their buck. Yeah, and at the end of the day, if you're... If you hire a trainer that's training you on on machines, you know, uh, or you're going to the gym working out on your own, you know, sitting on machines, that's probably the exact opposite on what you'd want to do. You know, you want to train functionally. Uh, don't stay, you know, cooped up in one position, one one tracking rather, like in regards to a machine. Um, you know, do stuff where you have a full range of motion. Um, and you know, a full body compound movement, like I said, we talked about the whole time that that's transferring, uh, into everyday life and staying cooped up on a leg extension machine or, you know, any type of machine that has one track that's doing all the wor- uh, work for you. That's not training functionally. It's not, I think that model is broken and the people, uh, it's not a coincidence why these commercial gyms are turning into hybrid gyms where they're incorporating more of these movements and they're reducing the the amount of machines they have or the machines are more hybrid than they've ever been because they're they're looking at that need. The model originally was how can we get more people in these commercial gyms with the least amount of risk uh, and the way to do that was machines. Uh, but in doing that, they gave up a lot of function and quality of movement to individuals because they didn't have to teach them how to move right. All they had to do was, uh, you know, put them on a machine where the images were uh, easily placed for them to, to kind of identify what the movement the machine was for. But uh, it severely uh, reduced their potential of actually improving any type of function whatsoever. Uh, so our style, our style of gym is becoming more popular. These more smaller studios, more open layout formats where we require people to move their bodies really really well is is really taking uh, a lead in the fitness industry yeah and then it's up to these people to kind of understand that and it's unfortunate man like you'll see even people that are not too old like they're still younger but they're still training on these machines and they're you losing function you know early on in their life just because they're training on these you know machines that don't have any transfer you know, as opposed to um, like, you know, training functionally. It's unfortunate that you're losing function at so young of an age because, you know, you're not training correctly. Exactly. And for these individuals, we just want to question why they're doing what they're doing. Why are you like, why are you following that program? Why why are you using that machine? Right. Because I'll entertain the conversation with you if you've really thought about it versus just getting on there because somebody told you to do it. Yeah, they don't know any better. And training functionally, uh, you know, our our name of the podcast is Lifelong Fitness. You know, training functionally is going to 
produce that exactly lifelong fitness Fitness. you know it's going to transfer way 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 far down the road you know when um you're getting into your older years um it's going to prolong your your time in the fitness game i agree brother well that's a great talk functional fitness uh it's what we're talking about it's what we do it's what we live it's what we breathe and we hope that uh we've encouraged you to really just uh, reassess what you're doing and why you're doing it yeah just take a step back and kind of look on um at it from the outside looking in on why you're doing what you're doing how you're training you know uh and just kind of put a game plan together to keep you moving you know functionally uh yeah cool man i think i think that was good